0: It's Sunday morning, time for The Great Outdoors with Charlie Potter, brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good
1: morning, welcome to The Great Outdoors show, Charlie Potter, your host on WGN Radio, Hard to believe this is the last show the last sunday morning of august not the last show just the last sunday morning show of august where where does summer go i guess we don't have to ask ourselves that question because we all know it goes too far and too fast let me start off with i'm going to end up the show talking a little bit about the quickening pulse of nature that always happens as we roll into September and the opening of dove season across America uh, and other seasons as well. But I want to start off with a little bit where I left off last week, which is a bit of a discussion on what's going on in New England and the East Coast, and then I'm going to talk about the absolutely horrible breeding grounds report that was provided by the Canadian Wildlife Service and the Fish and Wildlife Service last week. But I wanna start off with something that to me is astounding. In 1623, that's a long time ago, 1623, an area in southern Maine called Stocko Bay was uh, being utilized by early commercial fishermen. And they described, and I'm gonna quote here, Saco Bay, quote unquote, there hath been more fish taken within two leagues of this place this year than in any other land, end of quote. And why am I mentioning that? 1623 was was a long time ago, Um, and in fact, among the earliest records uh, in America, because it tells us exactly. How dramatically populations have fallen. In this case, we're dealing with next year, four hundred years later. But four hundred years ago, the east coast of the United States today was today was an unbelievable wildlife and fisheries paradise. Taco Bay was the richest of all those areas north of the Chesapeake, or so it was known at that time, and they caught tuna, and they caught Atlantic salmon, and they caught striped bass and they caught bluefish, and they caught them in numbers that were beyond description. Today, Saco Bay, southeastern Maine, which I know pretty well, having spent a great part of my life growing up in that part of the world. If you catch a striped bass, you call someone and say, come fish over here, I caught one. You, you haven't caught a tuna in, in, in Saco Bay in, in probably over a hundred years. <clears throat> also, in this description of early settlements of the main coast, they describe passenger pigeons populations by the millions. Of course, passenger pigeons are extinct. They describe black bears and wolves, where today there are Ferris wheels and casinos. How this world has changed is, is truly remarkable. And why I start off the show with that little bit of history is because I, I feel very strongly that we learn from history. And it's our benchmark in the case of nature, it tells us how we're doing. And while we have made incredible strides, which I talk about from time to time, in bringing back a number of species from near extinction or very low numbers, we find that overall we're continuing to lose. And what we're really losing is our fish stocks and our bird population. We're doing there are more deer, probably, as we know, than there may have ever been. Uh, the only predator for a deer, other than hunting season, is, is, is the front end of a car. Uh, mammals, like elk, are doing phenomenally well until relatively recently, and that relatively recently is due to the advent of wolves now doing much better and repopulating areas of the West, and also... Um, They are beginning to feel the the impacts of of lost habitat, but the predator population, the mountain lion population, uh, definitely growing. What I'm going to talk about next is a report that came out from the Fish and Wildlife Service that is absolutely shocking. At least I think it's shocking, and I've been following this for 40 years. The 2022 Waterfowl Survey. There was no waterfowl survey in 21 or in 20. For the first time since 1955, we had not had a waterfowl breeding population survey of the prairies the United States and Canada. That's a long time to have a lot of good data. The report came out this year, actually it came out last week. And by and large, it was stunningly bad. Mallard populations down almost 25 percent. Gadwall populations down almost 20 percent. Wigeon populations close to their lowest level ever down 25 percent. Greenwing teal down 30 percent. The big number, the one that I think is ultimately going to cause a dramatic change in the way we manage hunting seasons, pintail populations were down by 20 percent. 20, 21% actually, to their lowest level in recorded history. And to put this in context, today on the breeding grounds of North America, the Iowa up to the Dakotas, Eastern Montana on into Southern Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta, and then up into Alaska where pintail breed, they counted 1.78 million pintail. That is down almost 85% from the record high of the late 1950s for pintail. The long-term average, it says, well, based upon the long-term average, pintail are down just over 50%. Well, that that is not indicative because if you have decades of a plummeting population which we do, and have seen a pintail, obviously the long-term average is coming down over the long term. The number that really sticks out is that there were over 10 million pintail in the late 1950s, and today, there are 1.7, close to 1.8 million pintail, and as I said, an all-time low. This is critically important because pintail were once the number two most populous species in all of waterfowl populations according to the breeding ground surveys. And today, they're the third lowest of the major species they count. So it's gone from number two, only second to mallards, to the only ducks of which there are fewer in the surveys are redheads and canvasbacks. Why this is so important is because pintail are a one of the most treasured ducks in the world of waterfowl hunting, and if their numbers continue to decline, species identification is going to come into question. And at what point does the Fish and Wildlife Service say we simply can't shoot any more pintail? not that hunting has any impact and i do not believe it does at one point in time i truly believe that hunting had a big impact on duck numbers i don't believe that at all today and we can talk about that another day with some other individuals on the show but by and large hunting under today's rules and regulations does not have any impact on the population so it's not a question of hunting reducing duck numbers it's a loss of habitat, it's the effect of a couple of years of drought, but more than anything else is the loss of habitat. But when one species declines so sharply, it is going to have an impact on the overall regulations because whether we believe hunting has an impact or not, and I don't believe it does as I just said, there's gonna come a time when when they may be able to have to say, we just can't take the risk of shooting pintails. And what's that gonna mean for the rest of the species? I don't know. But that day is coming if pintail numbers continue to decline, and they have been declining precipitously now. I'll be back in just a moment. When I come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about the coming of the hunting season in Illinois. Doves will open on Thursday, open across America on Thursday, and a few other things going on in the outdoors. Thanks so much for listening. we will be back in just a moment. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And first, a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers.
0: In the field, hunters need to be alert. sense the environment around them and know exactly where they are, communicate seamlessly with their dogs. And when it comes to pickup trucks, you want the same qualities. The all-new Chevy Silverado comes with an available 4G Wi-Fi hotspot for seamless communication. It's designed to handle the toughest loads with advanced trailering technology. Tough on the road and off. And the all-new design gives you more cargo space in the competition. Chevy Silverado is the most dependable, longest-lasting, full-size pickup on the road. Plus, there's never been a better time to see your local Chevy dealer about the big fix lease. It's an amazing lease deal that can lower your monthly payments and give you more Chevy, all for less money. That's a treasure hunt. So head to your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and see why Chevy is the number one best-selling brand in Chicagoland, now eight years running. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN.
1: Welcome back to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. And before I leave, the subject of the waterfowl breeding survey numbers that were were out last week by the Canadian Wildlife Service and the US Fish and Wildlife Service. I want to I want to just switch a little bit of a focus. I talked about the dramatic decline in pintail populations over time and that we now have the lowest numbers in recorded history from a duck that was the second most populous and the implications that may have for management in the future. But really what's going on is pintail populations are plummeting because the habitat they use is being so badly degraded over time that they are running out of places where they can safely nest. And the other thing that's happening is a large percentage of the pintail in North America winter in California. And the wintering grounds conditions in California have been in bad straits, and this year they are in dire shape. Nearly a third of the rice crop in the Central Valley of California was not planted because there was not water. Upper Klamath Lake, Lower Klamath Lake, Thule Lake, three of the most important wintering migratory stopovers for birds in the Pacific Flyway are basically dry. So while birds have wings and they can fly places to find better habitat, when you have widespread loss of habitat is taking place right now with the drought taking place in California and the American West. They can only go so far. Those birds are not going to fly over to Louisiana and come down and winter in the Texas coast. They don't know where the Texas coast is. But the combination of terrible habitat on the breeding grounds where pintail try to live because of a number of factors primarily the factors of the timing of planting of agricultural crops and the harvesting of agricultural crops and 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 the result of no-till farming and and its impacts on how birds are trying to nest pintail in particular come into a no-till area where where it looks like there's great cover they they nest and unfortunately then the farmer comes in and plants the crop and that's the end of the pintail nest and and so no-till which is great for soil reducing soil erosion and helping in so many ways, it, it, it may be, it, it's turning out to be really bad for pintail. Anyway, shifting for from that to the coming of the time of the year that we also look forward to, at least those of us who really like to be outdoors, and, and that is outdoors with our dogs and in pursuit of game, particularly birds, September 1st is the day. It's the opening day of dove season uh, across much of the United States. Some southern states open later, but most of the northern states will be opening on September 1st. And in Illinois, it looks like we are going to have a tremendous dove season. Reports from across the state are a very good breeding for dove populations this year. And doves can nest over and over. They're highly prolific. They also have ex- extraordinarily high mortality rates as young birds. But this has been a year in which it looks like production is really, really good. And a dove doesn't live very long. Most doves don't make it to a year. Uh, so the fact that they had a, a good breeding season is, is really important. So the the, the expectations from Illinois are, are actually quite good. The last couple of years it has not been so good. Some areas have been strong, but looks like statewide. I'll probably be proven wrong a week from now when I have some some of the actual field reports. but. The anticipation of the dove season is for Illinois to be quite good. And, of course, we have following almost immediately, and in some cases, same day or Saturday, uh, we open what's known as the nuisance, nuisance goose season to try to thin the population of resident Canada geese, which uh, don't seem to be thinnable. They only seem to be increasing. But across, uh, across a lot of America, that will be taking place. And then, of course, teal season follows very quickly. Uh, thereafter um, so fall is coming and it always comes too fast and I, and I make that comment often that we we come out of summer and summer's a time when we try to recharge our batteries and then we hit September 1st and all of a sudden there isn't enough time there isn't enough daylight every day is getting shorter and you get this frenzy buildup as as winter approaches and frankly not only do birds and and mammals get ready for winter but so do we so it's a time when we go outdoors knowing that our days are going to be numbered before the water turns hard and the ground no longer green and the leaves are falling off the trees and it's just the beginning of it all so here we sit on the last sunday of august soaking in the last week labor day coming our way but it's already begun birds are on the wing having Blown south for already the last several weeks, large numbers of migratory birds are already showing up in their early traditional staging areas across the country, and uh, we'll see what happens this fall. And we'll we'll talk about it more as as we go on. As I sign off for the day, I do want to say that we want to keep an eye on some things happening in in Congress in the in the coming weeks. Uh, we are head of just head of election, but there are some really important efforts for conservation that may or may not uh, move forward, and I will keep you apprised of those. And then also, next week, I have to go back and re- revisit the California bill, which has made it a, a crime to uh, advertise or in any way try to appeal to youth to be interested in shooting firearms. It's, it's having a, an effect nobody thought was even possible. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I'll be back next Sunday morning with much more on The Great Outdoors. This is Charlie Potter. On the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.